Absolutely is right. And we have a Grand Slam Parsha as well, Parsha Shemois. Shemois is a big Parsha. Like we said, a new Sefer. Um, the book of Exodus, Sefer HaGeula, in fact. Chazal referred to it. Sefer HaGeula, Shkaich. And um, <clears throat> the Shoirashim, really. And just as the Shoirashim for Kleistrals and Sefer Bereshis, the Shoirashim for Galus and Geula is in, in, in Sefer Shemais. And the Shoirashim of, of Sefer Shemais is in Parsha Shemais. And um, here we have the, the uh, <clears throat> core of everything that happens from this point and on for the next 40 years and beyond. And we have, in the beginning of the parsha, a very condensed um, recap of the end of Bereshis. Klaisol came down to Mitzrayim. That generation passes away. And we begin the Shibud, we begin the Tsaris, we begin the Inui, and we need a Yeshua. Before the Tsaris, before the Shibud, before the Inui, before the Yeshua, excuse me, let's just focus on the beginning. The beginning of the parasha, very first pasuk, interesting pasuk. These are the names of Klaisu who are coming to Mitzrayim. Yaakov, Yaakov and his house, Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, God of Asher. All right, very good. Very nice, very nice. So, so again, we have a recap. We're beginning. Shemais, where we ended the Barajas, to get back into the narrative, get back into the seaport, get back into the story and the facts over here. So we begin with uh, recounting, just, you know, we're going to talk about the Jews, we're going to talk about the Tsaris, we're going to talk about the Shebo, we're going to talk about the Gula. How did, all this, how did this all start? It started with everyone coming down to Mitzrayim. The problem is that the tense over here is the wrong tense. This, these, this is the names of the Yidin who are coming to Mitzrayim. Ba'im. Not coming to Mitzrayim, they came to Mitzrayim. And even though, yes, it may be true, this is a flashback. It's a flashback, it's true, it's a flashback. But even as a flashback, it's past tense, not present tense. Right? So let it be a flashback. It's a flashback to a past event. What's the Peshat of the Torah in rewinding and reviewing, heading back to the you know the last few parashas of Parashas, Tells us that they're coming to Mitzrayim. They're not coming to Mitzrayim, especially not, not hundreds of years later. They came to Mitzrayim a long time ago. Very strange way to begin a uh, retelling and a review of events of long, long, long ago. To say it in present tense. They're coming to Mitzrayim. They're coming to Mitzrayim. How strange. The Torah is telling us something that actually ties in with an idea that we were presenting a number of weeks ago in, in, in Vayigash. At the end of Vayigash, we snuck an idea in, I think, the last 30 seconds of Parshas Vayigash, the last 30 seconds of Chumash time in Vayigash. We snuck something in very quickly, but it's time to return to that. And, 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 and it's an idea that reconnects right here in the beginning of Shemais. Why does it say these are the names of the Yin that are coming to Mitzrayim? The answer is because that's all they ever pulled off. All they ever really pulled off was that they were coming to Mitzrayim. They never got there. They never actually got there. All they were able to do was go to Mitzrayim, Ba'im, and even as we look backwards and we recount and retell those events, this is 
The emes. What, what are we recounting? What are we reviewing? We're reviewing the fact that they are. They used. They were coming to Mitzrayim. Now that's all they ever managed to pull off. You can't say they came to Mitzrayim because they didn't come to Mitzrayim. Never got there. All they did was they were en route. They were coming to Mitzrayim. Now, what's that supposed to mean? But they, they didn't come to Mitzrayim, so where did all these Jews come from? Where did Moshe come from? Where did Abraham come from? All these Yidin, where they all come from is the Yidin didn't make it to Mitzrayim. Of course the Yidin made it to Mitzrayim. Everybody knows the Yidin made it to Mitzrayim. What do you mean they're coming to Mitzrayim because they never got there? And if they didn't get to Mitzrayim, then they're not fulfilling the... What, the what, prophecy. What, right. The priest of Yeah, and if they didn't make it there, then... then uh, what Hashem told Abraham is not true. What's that supposed to mean? That they're only coming to Mitzrayim? They never made it? The Territz is... In terms of the geopolitical Mitzrayim, they were there. Yes, they were in the physical boundaries of Mitzrayim. But they never actually, we would say in Yiddish, yeshivish terms, they never shteldovek in Mitzrayim. They never planted themselves in Mitzrayim. They never actually established themselves in Mitzrayim, that generation. Why not? Because of Yaakov's forethought and Yaakov's foresight and Yaakov's understanding of how Klai Yisrael needs to go down to Mitzrayim. As we saw in Vayigash, before Yaakov makes any moves, before he agrees to move down to Mitzrayim, it says he sends Yehuda first. Vayishlach Yehuda Lafan of Lafan of Goishna. He sends Yehuda Lahiris Lafan of Goishna to teach before him. And Rashi says, what was Yehuda's purpose in going before Yaakov and being sent first? To set up a base HaTamu, to set up a yeshiva. Yaakov says, we're not going down to Mitzrayim. No Jew is settling in Egypt unless there's a yeshiva there first. The yeshiva's got to be there first. He sends Yehuda. Yehuda sets up a yeshiva, a base HaTamu. Now Yaakov and his 70 children can come, and his 70 descendants can come. No yeshiva, no Yaakov. Yeshiva, Yaakov comes. Why does the yeshiva have to be there first? So this is the idea that we spoke at the end of Vayigash. Again, we threw it in, so it's nice that we're able to return to this now. We kind of just squeeze it in, and we crunched it in in crunch time. It's critical that the yeshiva has to be there first. Why is it something like, you know, Yaakov trusts his kids are responsible. Yehuda's super responsible. Yehuda's the one that didn't abandon Binyamin. Yehuda's the one that put everything on the line for Binyamin. Why not just say, okay, let's move down, and then we'll build the yeshiva. Why is it so, so, so critical for the yeshiva to be there first? He doesn't believe they're going to build the yeshiva, his sons are going to be lazy, of course they'll build the yeshiva. Of course they'll have a cheder, and they'll have a yeshiva, they'll have a base yankiv. Why, why is it so critical? Why does it make such a difference that the yeshiva should be there first? Terence says, if there's no yeshiva, if they get there, then they make yeshiva, Kleisol goes into Golos. We went into Golos Mitzrayim. Went to Mitzrayim, and now we set up an educational system in Mitzrayim, we set up chidach in Mitzrayim, we set up yeshivas and base yankivs in Mitzrayim. If the yeshivas are there first, we're not going to Mitzrayim. We're going to a Makam Torah. We're going to a yeshiva. We're going to a cheder system. We're going to a place that has been set up as an, with, with, with all the needs for the continued chinuch of Kla Yisrael. We're going to a Makam Torah, a Dalit Amishel Halacha, and we're not really in Galus. If Kla Yisrael is in a Dalit Amishel Halacha, if we're in a place that has yeshivas, if we're in those yeshivas, if we're in a place that has a base medrash, and we're in that base medrash place that has a shul with vibrant, beautiful Torah learning, and we're in that shul, we're not in Gaulus. We're in a Mokim Torah. And Yaakov refuses to go into Gaulus. I'm not going to Gaulus. My kids aren't going into Gaulus. 
the yeshiva has to be there first, and that way I don't go into Golis. If I get there first, then I went into Golis. Then I really went into Mitzrayim. I shtel the Vekin Mitzrayim. Go first, set up the yeshiva first, so that when Klal Yisrael comes down, we're not going into Golis, we're going into the yeshiva. And we mentioned from Nelson Vachtweigel, this is what we mentioned by Igash, he said that the, the Hatzlach of Klaisol in every move, every time Klaisol has to transplant from country to country, from Golis to Golis, HaKadosh Baruch has always made sure that Ashkacha Pratis has always set up that the yeshivas got there first. When Klaisol was splintered and rent asunder during the, the atrocities and the horrors of the Holocaust, of the Churban in Europe, some 10, 15 years before that, there were already the yeshivas being founded in America and in Eretz Yisrael in the 20s already. You have the yeshivas being set up in America, 20s, 30s, and 40s, and in Eretz Yisrael as well. The big yeshivas, they got their first Ashkacha to set it up. So Klaus has to go into Gullus from Europe. They're not really going into Gullus. They're still going into a Makam Torah. When you go into a Makam Torah, you're not really in Gullus. And you know, we're expanding quite a lot on, on, on what we mentioned at the end of Ayigash because that was Mamish Crunch. Now we're able to uncrunch a little bit. But um, you know, we know that there's a famous Chazal that say, La'asid Lavoy, um, La'asid Lavoy, the Gemara says, the Bate Knesiyas and the Bate Midrashim in Bavel, in the diaspora, when Mashiach comes, all the shuls, all the yeshivas are going to magically move, transport themselves to, to Eretz Yisrael. All the yeshivas in the shuls are going to move to Eretz Yisrael. Yibayashim is going to transport them all. So that means CBS, yes, Congregation Beth Solomon, Kalbei Shleimah, Agudas Achim, Orat Torah, and everything else, they're all going to transport to Eretz Yisrael. What's the chat? Magic? I mean, there are, we don't have enough shuls in Eretz Yisrael. Plenty of shuls in Eretz Yisrael. Bells, you guys ever saw bells? It's huge, the mirror. The mirror's enormous. The mirror's an entire neighborhood. We, 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 we need all the shuls there too. We need all the yeshivas there too. Why are they going to go to Eretz Yisrael? You know, the Bafarshim say, what's the Pashim Shat in this Gemara that all the shuls in the base Medrash are going to go to Eretz Yisrael? Because they're a shtick, Eretz Yisrael. We're just returning, Min Lamina, we're returning, the Shavu Banim Lagulam, Klaiso comes out of Gaulus. All the pieces of Eretz Yisrael also have to come back from Gaulus. Every shul, every base Medrash, every yeshiva where there's Torah Vila is a Dal Amas of Eretz Yisrael. It's not really in Gaulus. That's the bastion, that's the area where Klaiso is out of Gaulus when we're. Sitting and learning in a shul, in the yeshiva, in a base medrash. We're not really in Gullus. We're above Gullus. We've transcended Gullus. Gullus is when we've descended into our surrounding country, not just in a geopolitical border sense, but in a, in a, in a um, lifestyle sense. That's when we're in Gullus. If we're in the yeshivas, if we're in the shuls, if we're in the base medrash, we're not in Gullus. All, all our shuls and our Base medrashes and our yeshivas where there's tyrants feel going on, those were always a part of Eretz Yisrael. That, that, that's out of Gaulus, that's Geula. That's why Yaakov insists that the yeshiva has to be there first. The yeshiva's there first, Kleisel's not really going into Gaulus. Yes, they're leaving the physical boundaries of Eretz Yisrael, but I don't want to go into Gaulus. We have to go to the, make sure the base medrashes are there first. Avada, he's not concerned that they're not going to set up a yeshiva, but he is concerned that they shouldn't go into Gaulus. And this was Taka the film. This is what the Torah is being Maramis to in the opening positive of Shemais. The Elu Shemais B'nei Israel Ba'im Mitzrayimah. When in the flashback, in the harking back to what happens in the end of Horatius, this is the best and most accurate way of saying it. Nemt, nemt, nemt. Heisat Shalot. 
This is the most accurate and the best way of saying it is that what these are the Yidin Haba'im Mitzrayim that are coming to Egypt because they never got any further than that. They were going to Egypt on their way to Egypt, but they never actually got down to Mitzrayim because they landed at the base Medrash. They landed in the yeshiva. They landed in the Dalit Amishal Halacha. They landed in the Shtik Eretz Yisrael. The most they ever were able to pull off is Haba'im Mitzrayim. They never got there. They never got there. Afla Vafelop. It's Mamisha Mufusha Pazik, the opening Pazik of Shemais. Haba'im Mitzrayma, but not Ba'u, because they never really got there. Givaldi. Okay. Beautiful. Subsequent generations did make it to Mitzrayim. That's what happened. Subsequent generations drifted from the base of Hamad of Yehuda, started sinking into the mud, the muck and the mire of Egypt, and they made it into Gullus. They actually left the Dal Amis of the base Medish. They left the yeshiva. They sank into the Gullus, and they sank oh so much, and oh so far, and oh so deep into the Gullus, 49 levels down. But for us, you know, when we're here, we're not in Gullus, right, by say. We are in a shtick Eretz Yisrael. As we said, that's the Pshat, and us in Bate Medrashim, that's the Pashup Shat, because they are Shtik Eretz Yisrael. They are Eretz Yisrael. When we're here, we're sitting and learning, we're outside of Gullus. We transcended Gullus. Very, very beautiful idea. And again, it's the first Pasuk in Shemais. Okay, let's go on. Maisha is born. Maisha Rabbeinu is born. And they see that he's a special baby. They hide him for three months, and they see that he's a special baby. Vatar, this is Perik Beis, Puzzik Beis, if anyone see it, page 296, 297. becomes pregnant, she has a baby boy. She sees that he is toiv. She sees he's a good kid. He's good, there's something toiv. What does it mean that she saw that he is toiv? Rashi says... When Maisha is born, the house is filled with light, is bathed in light. There's light everywhere when he's born. So that's uh, very special. It's a very special baby. Very special, yes. So the questions are, um, what's going on over here? What is it? House is filled with light? House filled with light? Um, it sounds like, you know, what, what, they did like one too many ultrasounds. Well, what's, what's, what's this light? What's it supposed to mean? There's this light in the house when he's born? What's this light? Why, why, yeah, I've had a Moshe special. Of course he's special. What's the significance of this light? What's the meaning of this light? What's this light that, that comes out when Moshe is born? Which it happens to be, incidentally, we don't find this by other special people. It doesn't say when Avram is born, the house is filled with light. Yitzchak is born, it's filled with light. Yankov Avinu, doesn't say this anywhere. Elio Hanavi, no. No Nismala Bais Oiro. Arnakai, no light over there. David Melch, no light by David. By Moshe, there's light. Why? What's happens? What's this light? Not only that, there's a. What, what's the. Uh, how does Rashi. What's the source for this Chazal? How does Chazal Taka know this? So the Baal Turim say, says that. The Gzeir Shava. Vatera Oisa Kitoiv. She saw Kitoiv. Where else do we have Kitoiv? Vayar Likimasor Kitoiv. Kitov is by the Or over there on, on Yom Rishon of creation. And Kitov is over here by Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. Ah, Kitov over there is Or. Kitov over here is also Or. Okay, so that's how we know it's in this Mal Or. But if we take that a, a step further, that means we're not just talking about any Or that, that, that comes into the Bible. We're talking about some, something that has to do with the Or of, of, of um, Shivas Hayom, the Or of, of, of Yom Rishon, the Or of Bereshus, which is not even like really around anymore. So where'd that come from? 
You know, this or it was is gonas, the or hagonas. The, the or that's there, Vayarli Kimas or Kitoy, we don't have that or. Rashi tells us. That or was was hidden away. Hashem puts it away because that or is um, is not is not suitable for uh, for for uh, display in this world with so many wicked evil people. That or was concealed. That that's the or that, that is being used to tell us that Maisha when he was born was also the house was filled with or. That's very funny because, that, again, that or lechar, we have nothing to do with that or anymore, that light. And what does it mean altogether that when Maisha is born, the house is filled with light? Why? Why light? And why Maisha? And what's the significance of light? There's all kinds of ways we can show you that Maisha is a special boy. We could have background music when he's born, an angelic choir. We could have, um, we could have um, well, all kinds of, there's lots of different ways. Of uh, being um, being informed that a baby is a special baby um, in, 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 in Judaism also, but it doesn't only have to be or, right? It doesn't only have to be or. So what, what's the what, what's going on with this light? This malabais or? So the idea is like this: very, very, very profound um, yesoid is actually going on over here. Something very deep in the or specifically, and taka in the vayar elikimas or kitoiv, the or of yom rishon, which we don't even have. What is that or of Yom Rishon that we don't have anymore, and why don't we have it anymore? What, what is that light, the Or Haganus? We don't have it, yet it wasn't created for Noah. We know it's being put away for Elam Haba. That or of the first day is being put away for Elam Haba, was sequestered and hidden away. It's going to be brought out in Elam Haba once again for the tzaddikim to enjoy. What, is that, what, what does that mean? What's this light that was created on the first day and now put away for Elam Haba? That light is none other than the light that is Hashem's essence, okay? Hashem's presence, Hashem's Kedusha, Hashem's holiness, Hashem's perfection, which is distilled in a way that man can enjoy it, man can relate to it, man can bond with it, and that's the, the gishmak, the enjoyment of Olam Haba. And what about man, what of man, rather, is able to bond with that essence of Hashem, that highest distillation and revelation of the Rebbeinu Shalom, that is so high and so deep and so sublime, it's the part of us that's so high and so deep and so sublime. The part of us. We know that we have a body down here, sure, and we have a neshama that's connected to that body, that's right, and the neshama goes way, 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 way up. We know that, we, everyone knows that we have a neshama that's very holy and very lofty and very pure, and it's connected to Erguf, and that neshama goes all the way up. And we know the Svarma Kedoshim tell us the neshama has layers and layers and layers and levels and levels and levels, right? We all know this. These are basics that everyone knows. There's three levels of the neshama, maybe more than three levels of the neshama. And those three levels have many levels and sub-levels, and it goes all the way up. Just like my body starts here and goes down, my neshama starts here, but goes way, 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 way up. We know that. And on the highest level, my neshama is so pure and so radiant that it's capable of bonding with Hashem and, 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 and relating to Hashem and enjoying Hashem's highest level of gilui, of revelation, and that is the Oragonas. So why don't we have the Oragonas now? Why don't we have that divine light now, that, 
that high, pure, holy light that makes everything wonderful and amazing and clear, and, and there's nothing like it. Why don't we have it now here in this existence? Because we're not really in touch with our neshama. We're not. That part of our neshama is suppressed. The only part of our neshama that we're really in touch with is the lowest part of our neshama. That's the part that comes all the way down into our physicality, the part of our neshama that allows us to think, that allows us to learn Torah, that allows us to develop intelligence. That's the only part of our neshama that we're in touch with, the lowest part of our neshama. The upper, higher parts, we're out of touch with that. And those are the parts that are capable of receiving the oragonas, but since we're not in touch with that right now, the oragonas, that concealed light is put on hold, and it's waiting until the time that we can, so to speak, be active and have our neshamas activated and be actively in touch with our neshamas that go all to the highest parts, the highest levels. And that's Adam Habab. In this world, in this lifetime, in this realm, in this creation, we, we, are, we are distant from the higher parts of our neshama. Before the chait, he was, before the chait, before the chait, he, he, had, he had the ability to be shaykh. Before the chait, he was able to be shaykh. He was in a place that we are not anymore. Before the chait. Adam Harishon would not have sinned, it would have been brought back immediately. Adam Harishon had the potential to, to receive it. That's a very good question. He was in a slightly different place. Um, that may take us, <coughs> that may take us um, adrift. So we're not going to pursue that right now, Adam Rijon. Yeah, yeah. He, he, wasn't at, he wasn't receiving it, but he was capable of receiving it. He was capable of receiving it. It hadn't been locked away from him. We are not capable of receiving it anymore. But why not? Why, why not? What, what, Lamaisa, what's the difference? Let's return to Ramadha's question over here. What's the difference between us and Adam Harishan? Why is it that Adam Harishan cannot endure, was able to potentially get that or Haggadah's, that, and we can't, we can't. Why is it that we're locked away from the upper levels of our neshama? Why, why is that? Why, why is it that, you know, we're barely in touch with the lowest part of our neshama? Hold on, a good day. On a good day, we have something to do with the lowest part of our neshama. Uh, above that, forget it. Well, why? why? I mean, it's there, it exists, it goes all the way up. Why is it that we have no access to it? The terrorists is. Our body gets in the way. Our body. We are a fusion of a, of a body and a soul, a guf and a neshama, and our body limits the neshama's ability to permeate and inhabit our guf. A neshama, which goes all the way up, which is capable of being at one with the Rebbein Shalala, mamish, can't, cannot inhabit a guf, which is the total opposite of that. What's the definition of our body? Our body is anything but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Our body is something that wants to sleep. Our body is something that wants to eat. Especially, especially when a child like this is at Rabbi Isai. That's all we want to do is eat. Mild Makayish, give me a break. This delicious chalut. Yeah, I don't go for the nitsaitis, I go for the meat. Right? I look for, where is it? Anyone leave any meat? You take the nitsaitis, okay? I'll take the, I'll take the flesh. Anyway, we, we have bodies that like to eat. We have bodies that like to drink. Bodies that like to sleep. Bodies that just like sink down to the ground and like this, you know? That's what we want to do. Bodies that like to sin. Bodies that are tempted, are, are, are enticed by anything but Kedusha. 
a body like that is a stira to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence. It's a stira. It's contradictory. A neshama, which at its highest level is more or less the closest Hashem that you can get, cannot inhabit, permeate a guf which is so distant, so contradictory. That's why we're not connected to that neshama actively. Excuse me. And that's why we can't have the Oragonus. Oragonus is essentially the, 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 the um, revelation of HaKosh Baruch Hu, the divine of Hashem, Hashem's radiance, Hashem's light, which the, 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 our neshama El Yoyna is built to receive. And our Guv Tachtoin can't be Makabal, the neshama El Yoyna. It can't. We're, we're too distant. We're too far away. It's Min B'Sha'ino Yimino. There's, a, there's a, a, a natural repulsion. It's, um, it's, um, you know, akin to, to, um, uh, you have, um, You can just give like a very rough muscle. I don't know if we need a muscle. I think it's pretty straightforward, the idea, but to give a, a rough, crude muscle. Um, <clears throat> you, uh, you know what? Let's just skip the muscle for now. It's getting late. If we have time, we'll get back to muscle. But the, the point is, this is the point. The point should be pretty straightforward. The, 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 the neshama that is capable of receiving Hashem's or Haggadah's cannot, cannot show up in a guf that's so disconnected from the Haggadah's. There's a stira. Okay, so that's why we're waiting for Elam Haba. That's why we're waiting for a, a state of creation, a state of existence where, where, where we can receive that, that neshama and therefore the Haggadah's. And right now we can't. And Adam Rishon, getting back to the question, was in a different state of existence. But it's ultimately our existence, which, you know, we're our own worst enemy. Our existence, our guf is our own worst enemy. We, we're the ones that are getting in the way. The guf gets in the way. Moshe Rabbeinu has a different task, has an assignment that no other Jew has. Moshe Rabbeinu is given an assignment. What's Moshe Rabbeinu's assignment? His assignment is to bring down the Torah. His mission, the reason he's born, is he's Moshe who's there to be the Moshiach, to be the savior of Klaistro, the leader of Klaistro, the Manig, but also to be Moshe Rabbeinu, Zichru Toiras Moshe, to bring Torah down. Moshe Rabbeinu was born in order to be able to connect two vastly different and contradictory elements and universes. The El and the Tach Moshe Rabbeinu is here to bring down Torah. And in order to bring down Torah, you have to be a kli, you have to be a tzinur, you have to be a receptacle, a receptacle that's capable of conducting Torah in an un, 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 unadulterated, undiluted fashion. In order to do this, you have to have a neshama which is capable of doing this, a neshama that can link the oilamas, but you have to have a neshama that can link the oilamas here in this world, that in this world, this neshama can be active. Maisha is here not to be up there. 
Moshe's here not to be with the Malachim, the Elyonim. Moshe's here to go up there and bring the Torah back down to us. You need an Ashama that's capable of spanning, bridging this gap. You need an Ashama that's capable of actively spanning and bridging this gap and bring Torah down here. That means you have to have a guf that goes along with it. Moshe has a job in which he has to have an Ashama El Yoyna, a higher, a hecher and Ashama, that can bridge that gap, but he has to have a guf that goes along with it as well. Moshe Rabbeinu has to be given a guf which won't get in the way of his Neshama to the degree that it gets in the way of everyone else's Neshama. He has to be given a different existence physically which will allow his Neshama to be active here to a higher degree than everyone else's. And as we just stated, each and every one of us has a Neshama that goes all the way up. It's our guf that gets in the way. Our guf doesn't allow us to be connected actively with a higher part of our neshama. It just can't get in. It doesn't have access. It can't get through the door. It can't get through the door. It can't get in here. If it could, we know our neshama on the highest level is, is, is in touch with the Or HaGonis because our neshama is so radiant on its own. If we could see, Rabbi Sai, what our neshamas really look like, if, if you could see, and again, there's a neshama in our guf, and the neshama is the lowest part, an upside-down iceberg that goes all the way up. If we could really see the neshama that's within our guf, we would, we would radiate light everywhere. The neshama is a shtick or. The neshama comes from the kisayah kavod, it comes from Hashem's or, and it's, it's designed to be in total, in total sync with Hashem's or hagamas. The neshama is a chift of or. If our guf wouldn't get in the way, the neshama would be projected all the way up and down, the neshama would, would totally irradiate the guf. Our guf gets in the way. Moshe is here for his neshama to be active down here to bring Tyra down. He's given a guf that doesn't get in the way to the same degree already from birth. And that guf develops and goes even further in terms of its purity and tahara as Moshe develops, as Moshe gets closer to realizing his mission, which is to receive the Torah Har Sinai. But Moshe from the get-go is given a higher neshama and a higher guf. He's given a higher guf because he has to be given a guf that naturally doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same netias, doesn't have the same um, affinity, the same interests in the realm of Gashmi's as Aragov, in order that it shouldn't get in the way of his neshama, in order that his neshama should be able to connect, span the universes, and bring Tyra down. And he's given a very powerful neshama that can illuminate that guf. Vatera oisa oisa she sees he's not just good, he, she sees he's the toiv of Vayar Lakim Kitoiv. She sees the Or Hagonis, the Or of Shiva Simei Bereshis, because she sees, really, a guf that's not getting in the way as much as it does with everyone else. The Neshama comes shining out through the guf. This is a guf that doesn't block the Neshama to the same degree as it blocks everyone else's Neshama. And that's from the get go, and Moshe himself takes that further. You know, the Sarma Kadeshim tell us. That Moshe, before he receives the Torah Har Sinai, he no longer has Bechira. Moshe's Bechira was taken away from him. This is what tells us. His Bechira is removed from him. That means he, he, he doesn't meet our definition of a human being anymore. He doesn't have Bechira. He, he can't choose wrong. He can't choose otherwise. He can't be Bechir Bamavas. He can't be Bechir Barak. Before Har Sinai, Moshe no longer has Bechira. Where did this come from? And why? The answer is, it was the final step of a journey that begins already when he's born. Moshe has an assignment that no one else has. He has to bring the Torah down. His neshama has to be present over here. 
There can't be anything in the way. The guf is always in the way, but when the guf is not in the way, then you see that the guf is just there as a clear vehicle for the neshama. The light that shines forth when Moshe is born is the light of his neshama without a guf in the way. He's given a head start, yes, and he works and he climbs to the point that he's mevatel his bechira legamri. There is no more bechira. He gets rid of his bechira. The guf is merely and 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 and, and reduced legamri entirely to just a vehicle, a a a a a um, layer, a covering that just <coughs> covers up the neshama. But he's more neshama than guf. Now he's able to be in touch with his existence all the way up and all the way down and bring Torah from all the way down, all the way up to all the way down. And that's what it means that when he was born, the bias was filled with light. And that's what it means. It was the light of the Yom Harishon, the, the original light, which we can't be in touch with because we have a guf that gets in the way. Moshe's guf didn't get in the way because of the mission that he is destined for. And this is also the pshat why Moshe refuses to nurse from Egyptian women. Rashi says, the mouth that's eventually going to speak with the Shechina, how could a nurse from a, a mitzvah? The, the idea is the same idea. His, his guf was an elevated guf. His body had, 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 had a higher degree of kedusha naturally. Yes, naturally. It was a guf that was less physical naturally, much more spiritual. And the point of that, the point of that was to allow the neshama to inhabit the guf more. To allow the neshama to be there more, to allow higher levels of Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama to be there without any interference. When the guf is purified, there's less interference. The higher parts of my neshama can come down, and the the uh, ultimate levelness is no bechir at all. And my guf basically ceases to exist as a guf. Because the whole point of your guf is to give you challenges, to give you bechira. Moshe loses his bechira. The guf has become a, a mere shell, a husk, just to surround his guf, uh, his neshama rather. Now he's ready to be Makabal the Torah, but that begins already when he's born. That's why we see the Neshama through the Guf. So that's what's going on with Moshe Rabbeinu. Now we don't have that. We can't get there. We weren't given such a Guf. We were given a regular body, a body that likes to eat, that likes to drink, that likes to sleep. So our job is to try to, minim- to, try to strengthen our Bechirat correctly and try to minimize our challenges. But Lamaisa, we only have this by Moshe. And we're, you're never going to see anyone else's Neshama. Not by Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, not by David, not by Shlomo, and not by any of us, you know. You see someone that looks luminous, either, you know, he needs to be checked in the hospital, or you need to be checked in the hospital. Do you see somebody that looks radiant and luminous? You're not seeing their neshama, I don't know what you're seeing. But you can't see anyone's neshama, because all of our bodies, you know, we work, we work very hard, but ultimately we have bodies that have bechira, bodies that like to do things that go against the Rebbeinu Shalaylam, and it's a body that's only capable of getting the lowest part of the neshama, not capable of getting the highest part of the neshama. Moshe has to be born with a body that's capable of being the Kabbal, his neshama el yoyna, and that's the light. That's the, the light is the neshama. The Pashup Shat and the light that Yochevet sees is Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama. He had nesyoynas, different kinds of nesyoynas, more, more, more um, subtle types of nesyoynas, a number of nesyoynas that were given to him to, to um, not just conquer the nesyoynas, not just to conquer his Yetzer, but to purge himself of his Yetzer. Okay, let, let, time for one more thing, one last thing over here. What? He saw an actual light. Yeah? And if, if we were able to be in touch with our Neshama El Yonah, we would, you would see light. You would see actual radiance. We would see radiance. You'd see light pouring forth, because that, that's the Neshama. The Neshama is light. 
and the neshama is connected to the guf, but the guf suppresses the neshama. You don't see the light. If, if, if we would have people around us that had the guf of Maisha, you would actually see light. Um, they got a glimpse of that when Maisha was born, and Maisha worked and, and, and got it in a permanent sense by Kabbal Satar, and that's why it says when he came down after Harsinai, Koran or Panov, right? That was the projecting light of Maisha Rabbeinu's faces. He had to put the veil on, because Kleiswav, the Chede Ego, is not really to see it anymore. But the Koran or the Karne or of Maisha, of Maisha's face, that was the light of his Neshama. They were able to see that. You could see the light of his Neshama. That's the light of Maisha's Neshama. The same idea, the light that was, that was in the house when he was born, the light that's shining from his face when he, when, after Harsinai, when he loses his Bechir Lagamri, that's his Neshama. It's his Neshama that, that the Guf doesn't suppress anymore. Okay, one last idea, a very interesting idea over here if we, if we uh, analyze this. Um, so Moshe grows up in Paro's house. He leaves house one, house one day and he sees um, a Mitri beating up the husband of Shleimus Bas Divri. He, he looks this way and that way. There's nobody around. And he kills the Mitzri with Hashem's name. Okay. The next day, he sees two Yidin fighting. Doesn't Avim are fighting. And he says, Rasha, famously, Rasha, why are you beating up your friend? He says, to Dozen, why are you beating up Aviram? So what does, what does, um, what does he say back? What do they say to Moshe, rather? What does Dozen say to Moshe? Mi sam chalish tar aleinu. Who made you in charge? Who put you in charge? Are you going to kill me just like you killed that Egyptian? You're going to kill me just like you killed that guy? So Maisha got very scared. The word is out. The word is out. They, 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 they know about it. He got very scared. The word is out. Okay? And he has to flee. So Rashi says something very interesting over there. An Oche Noida Hadavar. Rashi says, now what was Moshe really saying? The matter is known. So who knows what was, what was Rashi? Famous Rashi. What does Rashi say over there? What? Right. Very good. Excellent. Moshe says, now I know why Kleisol is in Galus. I couldn't have said, why is Kleisol suffering so much in Galus? But now I have why they're in Galus. Why? Because I see the Kleisol is a bunch of Daltorin. They're a bunch of Malshinim. They're a bunch of Valei Lashon Hara. Kleiser is a bunch of Valei Lashon Hara. How do I know they're Valei Lashon Hara? Malshinim. They're Malshinim. They're slanderers. They're slanderers. Malshinim is not just Valei Lashon Hara, not just slanderers. Malshinim means they're trying to get people in trouble. They're trying to get people in trouble. How does Moshe see that? What? No, how does he see that Klaisol is Malshinim? Moshe says, now I chap why they're in Gauls, because they're Daltorin. They're Malshinim. They're Bali Lashnar, the people that they, they like to get people in trouble. How does he see that? All they said back was, are you going to kill us like you killed the Mitri? So how does he see that they're Malshinim? Doesn't have your mother that you killed the Mitri? What? Oh, so someone clearly told us in Aviram. Let's follow the trail. Everyone hear what Ramatha is saying? Clearly someone told us Navirim, right? 
Oh, so someone told us in Aviram. Someone told us in Aviram. You want to listen to something? Someone told us in Aviram. So someone told us in Aviram. So Moshe says, the word is out. They're Malshinim. Kleisel's Malshinim. But let's ask another question, Rabbi Isai. So how could someone have told us in Aviram? How did Dustin have even find out? Doesn't make sense. Moshe looked left and right. No one's around. The Pasik says clearly he looked and nobody was around when he killed the Mitzri. So yeah, Dustin have even found out. Also, Kleisel's Malshinim. Kleisel's Malshinim. Who told them? Who told them? No one's around. How did they find out? Teretz is, there was one person around. There's only one person who knew. The guy that he saved. The husband of Shlemus Bas Dibri. He's the only one that knew. Because Vayarki Anish. The only one that knew is Shlemus Bas Dibri. Shlemus Bas, the husband of Shlemus Bas Dibri, the guy that he saved, he's the Malshin? You save a guy's life and he turns around and now he's a Malshin? Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. And Itak is not a Malshin. The husband of Shlemus Bas Dibri, he's a Malshin? Maisha saved his life. He's going to turn around and start turning him in? You can't get more ingrateful than that of an ingrate. More kfiyas atoyv. Avadi didn't, he wasn't a Malshin. Maisha saved his life. But he's the only one that knew. Yes, he told. He told everyone. He told everyone. But how did he tell them? He said, guys, you got to hear what happened. I was about to die. The Mitzvah was beating me. And the Maisha comes. He's the Maisha. Maisha saved my life. He's letting everybody know out of Simcha. Shevach v'hoidah. He lets everybody know because he's, 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 uh, what? He's grateful. He's, he's, he's ecstatic. He's ecstatic. His life was saved. You got to hear what happened to me. Okay, fight So then where's the Malshinim? Where's the Daltorim? Where's the Ochinoi da Hadover? They found out because this guy that he saved was so happy. The Teretz is, the guy that he saved wasn't the Malshin, wasn't the Daltor. Who are the Daltor? Who are the Malshinim? Dawson and Aviram. I didn't tell anybody yet, but he knows that they're going to tell. How does Moshe see that? Because listen to what they say. Everyone heard the same story. What was the story that Gantz Kleisol heard? That Moshe was the Moshe, and Moshe saved the Yid's life. Moshe said, that's amazing. What did Dustin Aviram hear? They heard something else. What did they tell Moshe? What, you're going to kill us like you killed Dimitri? Moshe's a killer? Moshe's a Ritzayach? If you hear that Moshe saved another Jew's life, are you going to extrapolate from that that Moshe's a killer now? He runs around killing people? No, Moshe's a Moshe. What does an Avirim spin on that? What's their take? You're a killer. Moshe, you're a Reitzayach. They see a Reitzayach. A Malshin Rabbi is someone who sees everything critically. Everything is a negative light. Everything is bad. Everything is wrong. Everything is awful and terrible. That's a Malshin. He's the pessimist. He's the cynic. He's the guy that sees that, that everything is wrong. And he's turning everybody in. Said differently, the Malshin is the guy that has Ayn Can't Doesn't have Ayn Toivo. He can't see positivity. He can't see anything in a, in a positive light. Everything is negative. Everything is critical. And as soon as Moshe hear those words, are you going to kill me like you killed the Mitzvah? He's like, I didn't kill anyone. I'm not a Reitzayach. I'm a Moshiach. I saved somebody's life. If that's how you see it, you see that I'm a Reitzayach. You guys are Malshinim. And I better get at it because you're going to tell Paro. You guys have Ayn Ra, not Ayn Toivo. He sees it does not Viram, are the Malshinim. They took the story that was a Shevach Vaidan, they twisted the whole thing around into Shvichas Damim.
That's Ayn Ra, that's the Shoyosh of Malshinas, and that's what Moshe sees over here. Okay, very nice. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everyone. Thank you for joining, and be well. Be well, Kultov. Sorry, Shiram Alice.